Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We have the kickoff of our series covering AFC contenders that the Browns will have to go through. You've heard me talking about this probably over the last week or so. We had our first guest on just a couple days ago. Got this cut up, ready to go. Going to talk about the Buffalo Bills, who are a team that Cleveland will continue to be connected to through Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, through their rivalry conference sort of well, it was a rivalry per se, but they met in the playoffs several times in the 80s. Two great fan bases. I talked to our guest about this. His name is Sterling Furrow. He he works and covers the Bills over at Cover One. He's at Furrow Sterling on Twitter. Give him a follow if you can. But if you're looking for information about the Bills, Cover One is absolutely the place to go. So make sure you a, give him a follow. Check out Cover One. Appreciate them. Again, we will have on... Many guests from from several teams, I think, are real competitors in the AFC Conference this year because we're trying to expand our understanding of some of these other teams that the Browns could run into, A, through their schedule outside the division, but B, through teams that they have a genuine chance to meet if they want to go to the place that we think they can go. So without any wasted time, let's get over to our guest, Sterling, and chat about the Buffalo Bills and the 2021 season. All right, we're going to talk Bills. I'm excited. Had to approach my guy Eric at Cover 1. Anytime we're talking Bills, he linked me up with Sterling, Sterling Furrow. Sterling, I couldn't be happier to have you here, man. Appreciate your time. How are you? Man, I'm doing good over here. Uh, you know, it's 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 the off season, right? And not a lot is going on. But, uh, you know, when you're a football head, I mean, you could talk about this any day of the freaking week, bro. So I'm excited. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Of course, of course. Well, let's talk about your Bills. It's an exciting time in Buffalo. It's been nice because it coincides with Cleveland and some old-school AFC competition stuff here. I, I, I just dream of someday an AFC championship with Buffalo and Cleveland would be so much fun, man. So much nostalgia there. So we're talking your Bills. A really great season, obviously. Some strides. that We'll talk about strides at important positions as we go through this, but... Going into last year, I know Josh and I know the group had kind of shown the flash, got to the playoffs, put their foot in the water. Was it the? I guess what I'm saying is, didn't get to the Super Bowl, but it would be considered a very, very serious success last year, right? Everybody felt good about where it left off. Yeah, um, and I think we, you know, as Bills fans, we got to take it a step back because I don't think anyone expected Josh Allen to take the leap that he took. Um, as a fan, we all hoped and, you know, like Josh, he could do this. You know, we see we saw the improvement from year one to year two. But I don't think anybody can honestly say they they expected him to take that big of a leap year three. So, I mean, the Bills haven't been that good since, you know, the glory days and in, in, in the early 90s. I mean, Josh Allen and these in these Bills, I mean, they had the best statistical offensive output they've ever had. That's even dating back to the Jim Kelly days. I mean, they were on fire in so many levels, but when you look at the team, there are some holes too, so I'm, I'm sure we're going to talk about that, but as far as expectations go, losing in the AFC Championship game, it hurt, but it was one of those things that was like, you know, we're just not there yet, 
right? Kansas City is still top dog. And so there's some some things that the Bills need to do to shore up uh, to, to, to be on the same page as Kansas City. That's the that's what we're all chasing. I mean, Cleveland lost to him the week before that. Had a real opportunity, and I'm sure Bills fans were – not that you ever want Pat Mahomes to be hurt. You never wish injury on anybody. But he gets hurt, and it's like, yeah, we'd probably rather face Cleveland here next week at our own stadium. <laughs> and trust me, we were hoping that too. It, it came close, and that's kind of what plants the seeds for what could be a fun – you know, you don't have many rivalries that are non-division rivalries, but a conference-based rivalry where those two teams could stay good for a consistent period of time for what I consider to be two of the best fan bases in football would be really unique and cool. So let's transition our thought process to 2021 now. I think what this served the Bills so well in the Bean era has been consistency. I know that while Cleveland was in the midst of the Hugh Jackson search, the analytic-driven side of things, which... There was a huge separation at the time. They were suggesting pursuing Sean McDermott. They really wanted him. And when they ultimately, Jimmy Haslam, hired Hugh Jackson, it ended up playing out the way some of us thought it could play out. Now, listen, most of us were excited about Hugh Jackson at the time. Don't get me wrong. But when we look back on him and say, maybe we should have listened to the analytics guys a little bit more, uh, they end up getting Kevin Stefanski eventually. But Sean McDermott was the guy Cleveland really wanted. So he lands in Buffalo, hires Brian Dable, who Browns fans have this preconceived notion about who he was based on his time in Cleveland when he was a younger coordinator. But it's safe to say he's done fantastic. Leslie Frazier's got another head coaching venture in him somewhere, sometime, I would hope. I think consistency is the key with Buffalo. I think you would agree. So, like, any coaching changes that matter? Or is it just like, hey, man, they got a great thing rolling here and nobody really left? Yeah, it's it's it starts with consistency. I mean, when you have, you know, Brian Dable... Uh, with Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey and and all those guys, I mean, it's it's really just having the same guys in the room. Uh, and, and you have to look at too. I think one of the underrated things about uh, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean is the the culture that they kind of brought in. And we're talking about a team that had Rex Ryan and all the the shit show that he brought, right? And they had to clean all that up from you know getting rid of Sammy Watkins and, and multiple players and so forth. I mean, they've really done a really good job of bringing in. Uh, not necessarily, you know, choir boys, but guys that are high character, high motor, high effort kind of guys. And it, it goes from the top down. I mean, this is a team that, you know, other teams in the NFL are looking at, you know, the Bills assistants and guys in the front office for jobs. I mean, we haven't seen that in so long. So it is really refreshing to see that this team has kind of stuck with consistency, not looking for the necessarily hot names because not a lot of teams thought, you know, Sean McDermott was was going to be what he turned out to be, right? So uh, it, it's been, you know, we've gotten really lucky. You know, those guys have done a really good job. I'll, I'll ask you, does it feel like Dable and Frazier will, will be gone at some point? Or does it feel like both of those guys are content being coordinators? Sometimes it's hard to get that answer from, from sound bites you get from them. But I know that they keep coming up. I, I more so Dable last year than Frazier. But Leslie Frazier has been a been a head coach before and I think his defenses are going to show that he deserves another chance so is there a consensus around Buffalo that that both of those guys will eventually get their own opportunity again I think Brian Dable will definitely I think this is probably uh his last year of coaching uh it being offense coordinator for the Bills I don't know what it is when he gets looked at as a, a head coach maybe it maybe it's his personality maybe it's a, I don't know why he's not being uh hired on as, as a head coach I mean he definitely has a pedigree to do so I, I think Leslie Frazier I don't really think that he'll be a a head coach again um I think he had his run 
in uh you know in minnesota kind of i think he's likened to like romeo cornell i think that's probably his career projection he's going to be you know really hot defensive coordinator um but i mean i i definitely like dable more than i like frazier they're both great coaches in their own right i just feel like brian dable and what he's done with josh allen i think teams are starting to look at that and how to develop a young quarterback i think brian dable is going to get the call first I think you're right. I think it's, it's, listen, it's a byproduct of winning. You win enough games, your coordinators are eventually going to get calls. It's just the, the fact of the matter. Sometimes, I always talk about this, sometimes guys end up like Pete Carmichael down in uh, uh, New Orleans where they just are happy, content being coordinators. It happens like that. Josh McDaniels looking for the right gig again has been very patient. But it doesn't happen too long. If you're winning enough games, someone's going to poach who's responsible for calling, especially offense in the modern NFL. They're going to call for them, and and Cleveland will face that probably with with uh, Alex Van Pelt, but he's another guy who's kind of like, oh, maybe this guy is just content being a coordinator for a long time, which is good. You need consistency, and we'll talk about Josh now because we're going to look at the roster here. It's it's about consistency. You, we, the, kind of the discussion that happens here is this linear progression for quarterback play. You don't always see it go where a guy starts at one area, he gets a little better, then he gets even better. And that's, but that's kind of what's happened with Josh Baker. Mayfield's been more up and down. I think he's put together two good years out of three. I think Josh is, has been on the incline, which is what you want to see. I mean, you want to see that curve up. So what I'm getting at, I think the big question for Josh will be: Have you have you seen his ceiling? Um, where and that ceiling is good. It's great. He was a MVP, real MVP candidate. Carried his football team. Did a ton of great things. He still has some character uncharacteristically Okay, let me take that back. He he he's got some craziness to him from the cockiness of his arm. Like I'm <laughs> yes, not telling you yes. something you don't know. Like, you know, right, when your right. arm is as strong as Josh's arm is, it's like, you know, you're going to try to do crazy shit every now and again. It's just how it is. My my thing is, do you think he reaches another level by reeling that stuff in? Or is it like he's just always going to be himself? He's going to have some far throws where you're like, what the hell? But then there's enough of those good, like, oh, my God, type of plays that make up for it. Because the version of him that is the version of him right now is damn good enough to win a Super Bowl with, right? Yeah, I mean, Josh, just to even hear you say that, just to even wake up every day and know that, okay, the, we finally have a quarterback that can win the whole damn thing by himself. I mean, he's that good. Uh, I think it's one of those things as far as the ceiling goes. I think we've maybe we've kind of reached his ceiling. I mean, how how much you know? How better can he get? Uh, I think we're always going to have those. What the hell are you doing, Josh? Moments. You know, when you have those, you're going to have the the ones where he does amazing things. I mean, I, I think it's more um, consistency and, and kind of living for another down is is what the bills want to see more out of Josh. Um, we know, we know he has the big arm and so forth, but what he did, um, this past season was, I mean, was nothing short of amazing. I mean, this guy from where he started off, you know, into where he is now is just incredible. So I don't think, I don't really see him getting that much better. I just think we should start to see more, uh, consistency, uh, likened to, to last season. You know what I'm saying? He's not going to statistically, he's not going to be that much better. Right. I mean, 37 passing touchdowns. You know, he he improved his completion percentage 11 percent. I mean, you know, to 69.2 last year. So I don't think he's going to get that much better statistically. But I think we do need to see some some areas of his game develop a little more. Yeah, I, there's room to grow. There's always room to grow. And, and I would 
I don't listen to Josh's clips or, or anything like that. I'm sure he ta- the, the question has been asked in Buffalo, like how do you how do you unlock another level? And, I, and I'm, I would imagine he says making the right play all the time, not not trying to save every single snap. You know, sometimes things are going to go shitty, and you need to throw it into the seventh row. Um, he would probably say he needs to get better at that. But then some of that you lose what makes Josh Josh, right? Like so, you're trying to find the best of both worlds there. It's no secret the Bills prefer to throw it. One of the more aggressive teams in the entire NFL. Is that a byproduct of they just want the football in Josh's hands all the time? Or was it a byproduct last year of like maybe Zach Moss and Devin Singletary and what the offensive line was doing last year wasn't good enough to win through the run game? Did they want to run more and just felt like it was a waste of time like they couldn't? Or do you feel like it was just give the ball to Josh, let him cook, and we'll make the best of it, sprinkle in some run here and there? I think it was more, you know, let Josh cook, but you, we also have to look at what the offensive line was doing. I mean, they, these guys, they were injured the whole year, and I think that coming into this season, this will be the first time where we'll have, you know, our whole starting top five linemen. That's Deion Dawkins and Cody Ford at left guard, Mitch Morse at center, Feliciano right guard, and Darrell Williams at right tackle. This will be the first time that they actually play a snap together. Um, so I, I think it's one of those things where, you know, Feed the hot hand, you know, and it, it benefited the Bills. I mean, it got them to where they were, but you have to be able to run the ball effectively. And uh, I think offense line has something to do with that. And then also, I think, you know, uh, when you look at how the Bills, you know, employed their their offense uh, and the formations that they used, you know, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are not guys that can can effectively reach the outside. They're, they just don't have the athleticism to do so. So a lot of the. Uh, the onus and the responsibility was placed on Josh Allen to make plays. And, and that's the result of what we saw this past season. So, so Moss Singletary, does Matt Breida play into that this year? Or do you think it's the two young guys that still get the bulk of the carries? Um, I think if, if the bills go, you know, zone blocking, I think we could see a surprise out of Matt Breida. Um, but I, I, if I were to, if you were to hold me down and say who's going to start for the Bills, you know, against the Steelers week one, I'm going to say Devin Singletary. Um, I think Zach Moss came on late in the season and he got injured in the Indianapolis game in the playoffs. But uh, I would, I mean, from a fan perspective, you want Matt Breida in as your starting running back just because I think he brings an element that you don't have, which is speed and the ability to make guys miss. Um, and the Bills don't have that. I think he, he, he compliments the offense more, but from reports, you know, that we've seen, you know, Devin Singletary saying that he's faster, he's stronger. But what player doesn't say that kind of stuff, right? I'm just not buying it. Uh, I mean, you are what you are, right? If you run a four, six, I don't, you're not going to turn in a four five. And, and I mean, it's just, this just doesn't work that way. So um, I, I think Matt Breed is a better fit for the offense, but I would probably say Devin Singletary is your starter day one. Got it. Well, let's talk receivers. This is where the the bread and butter is. I think the biggest addition is Emmanuel Sanders, but the top three that make that make the the wheels turn is Stephon Diggs. We'll we'll talk Diggs first. Great year. I, I weird situation, man. And I mean this with all due respect in terms of how some of these trades work out. But like it's rare you see Justin Jefferson perfectly replace a guy who goes on to have one of the best receiving years <laughs> in the league. And it's like just a weird trade that worked out well for everybody. So Diggs yeah. is is Diggs kind of what you guys thought he would be? Is he is he fit in? Has it all been perfect? 
Yeah, man. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better trade. Uh, and, and you know, like you said, I think Minnesota they got a great bargain for uh, for for Justin Jefferson. I mean, he came in there with Kirk Cousins as your quarterback, and he balled out. I mean, Justin Jefferson is a really really good underrated receiver. Uh, but for what the Bills needed and Josh Allen's development, Stephon Diggs was he was the right pill. Uh, for for what was hurting the Bills, Josh Allen needed a go-to guy that he could rely on. I mean, Stephon Diggs, he 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 had career highs in targets, receiving yards, receptions, and first down receptions. He has seventy-three first down receptions and a, and a seventy-six point five catch rate. I mean, that's incredible uh, mm-hmm. for a young quarterback, a young unproven quarterback at the time in Josh Allen. So I, I think, it, like you said, I mean, it was one of those things that it worked out for both sides. Now, I mean, when you got Arizona getting deandre hopkins for for a cheeseburger i mean you kind of look at the bills and you're like bro like could we have done a little bit better with that but you know it, it worked out man it did it did and he's he's the perfect kind of guy for josh who can extend plays and allow him to create separation and it's uh it's a relationship trust me it's a relationship that we're jealous of because we need baker to get to that relationship with odell that we haven't seen yet so um, it's tough. It's tough to watch that and be like, damn, that worked out really well for them. We could use something like that over here. So we're hoping we see that this year. Um, Gabriel Davis, right? Like fourth round pick. He's, is he the second outside receiver? Do they use him as, was he more of the Z? Where, where do they use him? And what's the thoughts on him after his rookie year? Yeah. Um, I like Gabe Davis. Um, I, I think he needs to be, the the question coming into the scene is can he be a true number two receiver um where he's going to line up outside he's going to get separation and so forth last year he functioned as wide receiver number four um you know he he due to injuries and and to John Brown, he got he had an elevated role in some sense. But I mean, you look at his output and his production. I mean, this is a guy that caught seven touchdowns, but he was in a I think he benefited because, you know, you had to do something with Cole Beasley in the slot and you had to pay attention to Stefan Diggs. So, you know, then there's Gabe Davis. That that's that's kind of how I, I, I think about him. Um, I don't know what he's gonna develop into. Ideally, yeah, we would love for him to be on the outside. As a, as wide receiver too, um, but if I had to put pen to paper, I would say you know I don't think he I don't I just don't think he's there. I think he's going to be a really good slot receiver to be honest. I think that's where his uh, his niche is. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, maybe he develops into um, you know that guy that the Bills need on the outside. But uh, I I liked what he did. I just think he's gonna it's gonna take a little bit more development from him. What's the vibe around Cole Beasley? Listen, I, I, I'm not here to discuss vaccination policies with anybody. You can have your stance. Cole's been outspoken, and that is a real – Listen, it's like it's like whether you want to admit it or not, it's a topic, and it's something that I'm sure Bill's players are going to get asked about. Uh, Bean's comments on, on his players not being vaccinated a couple months back or whenever that was was real. I mean, he said it. He walked it back. But I, I'm just interested, like, is the distraction that comes with this – and Obviously, if he's going to not pay attention, he's not going to be vaccinated, and he's not going to pay attention to any of the protocols, and he's suspended week to not suspended, but you know deemed in protocol. Is it like is it worth it, or is there is he being dramatic? Like, what's the vibe there on how he's ultimately going to play this out? Because he he you know he did everything he was supposed to last year to to stay on the field, so he's not going to do it this year. It seems we know he's talented. He had a thousand yard year, right? I mean, like he's is one of the better shiftier slot receivers in the league i mean he can play and i think josh likes him it's just like uh, to me it gets to the point where is the distraction worth it you know 
Yeah, no, I mean this, and this is a testament to the Bills locker room. You know, they the Bills will tell you, you know, players will tell you that that it, it truly is a family in that locker room. Uh, you know, these guys like they do everything together. They love each other. So um, I think it's one of those things where you know you got the crazy uncle and just that the guy to just talk shit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you, as a family, you just have to deal with it. I think that's Cole, but Cole has five point two million reasons why he's going to shut the hell up and oh, he's yeah. going to do what he's supposed to do. And I don't think it's going to be an issue, but um, I think it's one of those things, you know, he's just kind of, uh, he just wants to be outspoken, you know, uh, and whether people agree with him or not, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, dude, just put your helmet on and just get out there and make some plays. Um, you know, that's off the field. Now we talk about on the field, Cole Beasley is a, is a complete dog. I mean, but he's 34 years old coming off a broken leg Um I think the writing is on. The, this might be his last season in Buffalo. Um, you know, the Bills can save some cap space moving forward. They're going to have to do so if they're going to resign Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds. It's going to cost a lot of money. Um, and we don't know what really, I mean, it could change, but what the salary cap is going to look like for the next year. I know it's going to increase, but how much? So it depends on what Gabe Davis can do, right? And and what what Cole Beasley are we going to get? Because um, last year, I mean, he – he was he was a menace. I mean, this this dude he just straight balled out. Uh, eighty two receptions, about thousand yards, four touchdowns, and he's another one of those guys that helped move the chains. He had fifty three catches that resulted in first downs. So, uh, he you know he's been extremely efficient since he moved over from Dallas. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, spot on. And and that's why it's curious to me, like, how much can they deal with? If he's doing what he's saying he's going to do, which is, like, ignore, completely ignore protocols, it's like, you're not going to play then. They're just going to rule you uh, exactly. out for the way. They're not going to. So what, what's your, what are you accomplishing? I think you're right. Eventually he'll just he'll just do what he has to do and play. And I get he's frustrated. I, I know that not everybody's going to agree with everything in life. It's that, That's not for me to, to decide whether he's right or wrong. But if he wants to serve his team as best he can, I'm sure he's going to try to find a way to get on the field. Are there any other uh, the, of the receiving group here that stand out to you coming into this year? Like, what I mean, is Emmanuel Sanders going to have a role there? What is the, Is there any other maybe bottom of the of the wide receiver room fringe types who you think could develop over time? So there's a lot of uh, commotion about Isaiah Hodgins. Uh, this is a six foot four out of um, Oregon State um, last year during uh, the training camp or whatever you want to call it they had last year uh he was a guy that was neck and neck 
uh, with Gabriel Davis. And probably, I mean, some would say who watched practices or things that you heard from from the reports, he, he kind of outshined Gabe Davis in some areas. Um, I think he's a six foot four. You know, he's a he's a slot guy, but he, he can also play like in a move tight end position. You know, Sean McDermott and, and Brandon Bean, they they've been raving about Isaiah Hodges. Josh Allen even mentioned something last week saying you know he he's been enjoying you know the preparation that he's, he's been putting into the game but I think one of the things that we should keep in mind Isaiah Hodgins is a guy who he probably had one of the best set of hands in the draft last year um this guy catches pretty much everything uh so I think the Bills are really excited to see where um how he's going to develop now I think you know drafting uh Marquis Stevenson uh you know so I don't know what kind of role he's going to play, right? Um, and maybe, I don't know, maybe they're just, you know, talking this dude up. But last year in training camp, it was between him and Gabe Davis. And, you know, reports were saying that Isaiah Hodges was outshining. I mean, it was back and forth each and every week. So the fact that we're hearing this again, maybe there is something to it. Uh, you know, he's going to have a, a hard time making the roster. I mean, you, they, Bills resigned Isaiah McKenzie as well. You know, that he's probably a guy that they could cut and get rid of if they wanted to. But um, I think the Bills are really excited to see what they have in Isaiah Hodgins. Well, let's switch to tight end because you talked a little bit about Hodgins helping out with tight end. Dawson Knox, third round pick in 19, a little bit uneven. They signed Jacob Hollister, I believe. Where's tight end room sit? What are the expectations for that group? So I think bringing in Jacob Hollister was huge. Uh, he has a report with Josh Allen, but you know, me and Joe Marino, and he did a podcast that uh, a lot of us, you know, uh, content creators are a part of. And Dawson Knox is one of the guys that I felt like was he's going to have a breakout season. Um, you know, this is a guy who is extremely athletically gifted. I mean, he's he's a kind of tight end you want in the room. Now he's no David and Joku athletic. Okay, David and Joku is is like. His athleticism is through the roof, but Dawson Knox isn't far behind. I think he's a guy who he's still learning the nuances of a, of the position. Uh, he this is a, a dude who played ball at Ole Miss, where they had DK Metcalf, and I mean they were they were lo- AJ Brown. They were freaking loaded at wide receiver, so he really didn't get a lot of the attention. Uh, but you're starting to see, you know, since week nine, Dawson Knox kind of started to come into his own. Um, so I think what, some of the th- areas that he needs to improve on is is kind of the the mental aspect of the game. You know those those drop passes and clutch moments. Um, but I think he's an underrated blocker. Um, you know as far as like at the point of attack and in line. You know he's been getting better at that. So I, I think this is where we're going to see it's either put up or shut up, buddy. Um, and as far as those two guys, I mean we ain't got nothing else. Uh, you got uh, your boy Sweeney in there, and then you know the Bills. I don't know. Are we going to do the Zach Ertz thing? Somebody's going to make a move. And what the hell is, you know, Philadelphia asking for this guy? Like, what's the compensation? Are they going to release him? I think if they release him, I think, you know, the Bills will probably have a, a, a good line in on him. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But they, they definitely need some some help in the tight end room. But I if we, um, as a fan, you want Dawson Knox to kind of step into what he was drafted to be. And that was a, a top target for Josh Allen. Yeah, I I certainly think it's a position they'll look to upgrade over time, maybe through the draft, especially at the end of the first round. You know, second round has some really great tight end options uh, that you can find all over the place. So, uh, talk offensive line. Where where are they? Have they have they been performing the way you'd hope? They, they obviously they invested in Cody Ford and 
and Mitch Morse has been a great signing, and, and Deion Dawkins has, has been a player that they've they've been able to to get a ton out of for his value. I, I know they drafted. I don't know who. I think they drafted two uber athletic guys there, Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle. So I'm just curious, kind of what the shape of the offensive line is, how they performed last year, what it looks like this year for you. Well, the first thing I'm going to ask you is, can we get Wyatt Teller back? You know, we apologize. <laughs> we just need him, okay? <laughs> can yeah, we just yeah. get him back? <laughs> well, he might hit the market, man. I don't know if Cleveland can afford him, so you might have the chance. But, yeah, we, we like him over here. No, we won't even – the Bills won't even be able to, uh, to afford him. So, I mean, it's – it's at this point, it's – you know, it ain't happening. But, no, um, I, I think, you know, the Bills like what they have in Deion Dawkins. Darrell Williams was incredible last season. Uh, I mean, the dude played every freaking snap. Uh, you know, I think the question comes in. I think, you know, can Mitch Morse, you know, can he stay healthy? Cody Ford, I think the Bills, we might have missed on Cody Ford. Uh, he's just, man, he's just not, he ain't it. Uh, he, he's he's slow. His feet are just slow. And his, his technique is just inconsistent. I mean, yikes. It's, just, it's rough. It's rough. So, but I think right now he's penciled in to be your starting left guard. Um, and John Feliciano is—I didn't like the re-signing of him. I think he is uh, average. He's an average to below average guard at best. Um, I think you know for, the Bills did uh, sign Forrest Lamp from uh, San Diego or you know L.A. Chargers, if you want to call him. I still call him San Diego. I don't know why, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I think Forrest Lamp could be one of those guys that, that steps in at right guard, honestly. Uh, and, and could beat out John Feliciano. Now, you did mention Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle. Uh, you know, Spencer Brown was a third-round pick, and he's an athletic freak of nature. Um, I think you're going to see, you know, he's going to have that Lee Smith role. You know, Lee Smith played tight end last year, obviously, but, but really his his primary function was, you know, the sixth offensive lineman. So I think you're going to see Spencer Brown uh, take that role. And then Tommy Doyle, I, I don't know what we're going to get out of him uh, just yet. He might be one of those, you know, fifth-round guys that turn in. He could be you know a serviceable starter you know i mean he's six foot eight and i think the idea with the offensive line was to get more depth but they want guys that can move in space you know if you're going to be a zone blocking scheme you know you you need guys that are you know that have agility and can and move defensive linemen so i mean they're big up front i mean they are so we're going to see uh what these guys have uh, uh in 2021 but i think they need to improve i, I think you know having all these guys healthy and having them gel, I think that's going to be pivotal uh, coming into this season. So um, the sky's the limit, but, I mean, realistically, you're looking at a top 10 to 15 offensive line unit at best. Gotcha. Well, they, uh, they it helps their quarterback and move. There's no doubt about that. He helps to avoid some situations that might show up on the metrics in terms of sack results and pressures and things like that he can make plays happen keep drives alive so that helps uh it can sometimes hurt too because those guys can hold on to the football a little bit there's a fine balance but but uh it's it's certainly a place where i'm sure they're hoping they get something out of those two young tackles down the line um and and just hope that they're good enough because they just have to be good enough they don't have to be elite uh to to be good enough to win enough games in in the afc and and make a run again. So we'll switch to defense. Defensive line. I was a huge Ed Oliver fan. Jerry Hughes has been good for a long time. I, there's names. Obviously, you draft Gregory Rousseau. You drafted A.J. Epinesa the year before. Harrison Phillips is a nice player. 
there are pieces, real pieces. You need somebody to become a real dog like Ed Oliver needs to really become an elite at the position to to jump it to another level. But you got to feel pretty good about the D-line. Yeah, um, and this is probably the first time since the Bills had the quote-unquote cold front Mario Williams and Marcel Darius and Kyle Williams and Jerry Hughes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is probably the best defensive line they've put together uh, since then. I mean, look, yeah, you're right. Ed Oliver needs to – he's got to step up, but we also have to keep in mind that, you know, when the Bills draft these guys, it's they're drafting prototypes. You know, the Bills have this idea of the kind of players that they want, and they go get them. Ed Oliver's one of those guys. Um, he he definitely needs to improve, but he was playing out of position last year. He was playing a lot of one tech because Starla Tutelay opted out. Now Star's back, so we're expecting Ed Oliver to take that next leap. Um, you know, he does he, he's just not he's one of those guys that just hasn't been extremely consistent. You 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 do see him flash. He's he's uh he's gotten a lot better at defending the run, but we need to see some more um some of that pass rush and that 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 pop off the screen ability that he flashed at the University of Houston. Now Gregory Rousseau, um you know he's one of those guys. I mean I I didn't see the Bills drafting him honestly. I can't I can't sit here and say yeah you know Brandon Bean that's what I expected you to do because I had no idea that they were really considering Gregory Rousseau six foot six two hundred fifty pounds. And played one year of college ball. So, and he, I mean, he played well, but can he develop into a consistent pass rusher on the outside? Now, we know what he can do when you put him at D tackle. I mean, he his you know his initial quickness and and length is is a uh, you know tough for for guards to handle. Um, but I think for him to make his money in the NFL, he's going to have to develop as a pass rusher on the outside. So. I think you're going to see more Carlos Basham year one, and I think you'll see uh, Gregory Rousseau. Carlos Basham's the more, I would say, in the Shaq Lawson type. He's he's kind of molding and ready now. Uh, his ceiling obviously isn't as high as uh, Gregory Rousseau, but I think Carlos Basham should come in and, and contribute early. AJ Epinesa played last year. He was extremely light. You know, this is he should he should have played at 270. I think last year he came in and around in the 250 somewhere. Uh, you know, and I don't think he was used to playing, you know, with that with that weight. So uh, from reports that we've seen, I think he's he's kind of bulked up and kind of he's going to play at his normal weight, which should be around uh, 270, 275. Um, but he's a guy, you know, the Bills, you know, they platoon their defensive line. And it's a guy who had 14 tackles in one sack um, and four quarterback hits. I mean, that's not going to get it done. Your second round pick and and, and in some regards, they were highly regarded as a first round pick so we we need to see more from aj epinesa i think one of the guys that 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 a lot of people aren't really mentioning is uh fa obata this is a guy last year who had five and a half sacks um he's kind of uh you know his story is really incredible but uh i i think he's one of those guys is gonna as it's one of those quality brandon bean depth signings that we're really not uh it's under the radar right now i know i know he he has that Carolina connection, and pretty much the Bills are Carolina North. But F.A. Obata was a solid pickup, kind of under the radar. And then you have Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison. You know, those guys, they're they're long in the tooth. Uh, the cool thing about all this, though, is that I think that, you know, they mentioned earlier in the offseason that um, Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison will be able to help uh, more in pass rush situations. And so to keep these guys clean uh, in early rushdowns. So that's where the young guys are going to play in in those early rushdowns. So uh, Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison will get to pin their ears back and go after the quarterback. It's a lot of names in there that that I just remember going through draft cycles talking about, man. Like 
Ed Oliver was a huge point of topic of a guy that Cleveland didn't get a chance to get because they had no first-round pick that year, but I loved Harrison Phillips. I was a little surprised by the Epinesa pick when, when Buffalo made it, and I was surprised by Rousseau, too. I mean, if Rousseau can pan out and can develop some moves and secondary moves that he can rely on, the, the body type is is ideal, man. So I, I another guy is Carlos Basham, another a little older than, than what Cleveland typically drafts, but a guy who... Doesn't matter. If he's good enough, he's good enough, and I think he could be a player. So a lot of pieces there that are fun. Talking linebackers, typically a two-linebacker look from Buffalo, Milano, Tremaine Edmonds. Milano, I guess two questions. Were you surprised they brought Milano back? I think there were some people who seemed like they were surprised by that. And then is Tremaine Edmonds, how would you characterize how his career has gone so far? Has he struggled? Does he need to get better? And how does he get better? Well, so he he needs to get better. Um, I, and I think we have to keep it um, the scope correctly. You know, you think of Sean McDermott, you think of Luke Keekley. You know, you think of Thomas Davis, right? Those guys, you're not. Those are guys that you're just not gonna replace. I mean, they're 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 really really good linebackers. And I think when the Bills drafted him at 17 overall, you know, we expected him to be Luke Keekley, and he's not Luke Keekley. I think he's an athletic freak of nature. I think he's still extremely young. I mean, this dude is super young, uh, and he already has two Pro Bowls under his belt. Now, I get it. Pro Bowls, really, what does it mean? But, I mean, when you have other players around the league saying, no, this guy can play, I mean, that should stand for something. Um, he needs to get better at his in, instinctually. I, I think he he's too hesitant. He doesn't trust his instincts. Um, you know, he – I think he plays a little safe. You know, we need to – I need to see him – just let loose, man, and just and just fly around the football. Um, you know, he's he's six foot five. I mean, a lot. You know, in Bills Mafia, we talk about okay, is that too big for a, a a middle linebacker? I mean, I don't know. You know, it seems to be it, it, it's a hit or miss kind of thing. I think he's good though. I think he's a good serviceable linebacker. I think he's very good. I don't know if he'll ever be elite status as what we expected him to be, like a Luke Keekley. Um, but I think him and Matt Milano, they they're pretty they're pretty damn good in uh in pass coverage. You know, they play well off of each other. Uh Matt Milano, he Matt Milano right now is probably better than Tremaine Edmonds. I mean, I'm just gonna be honest. Matt Milano, he's a dog. Um, but we wanna see Tremaine, you know, really earn that contract that he's gonna be up for here soon. So the sky's the limit for him. I mean, if he puts it together damn, you got a really good middle linebacker for years to come. Uh, you know, he's still younger than most uh, prospects coming out of college this past season, and he's already put a few years into the league. So um, look for, you know, we're, we're, we're still going to see what he's up to. Yeah, he came in at, what, 19, right? Or did he Yeah, legit? man. Yeah, 19, crazy. Um, well, the secondary is a big part of what you guys do. I mean, you play five defensive backs a lot. It's it's the question is we know the safeties are good and listen we'll t- we'll we'll wipe out Wyatt Teller because we gave y'all Jordan Poyer so we'll wipe that out we'll <laughs> clean true, that that's slate true. Um, that's true <laughs> um, let, let, talk about the second I mean I guess what it boils down to with this group Poyer Hyde make one of the better safety combos in the entire NFL we know Tre'Davious White is one of the league's better corners if not top five or you know he could be top three consideration I think he's phenomenal. Are Levi Wallace and Teron Johnson good enough to get it done as secondary corners? I mean, I know Levi Wallace has had some things. I know 2019 when y'all came to Cleveland, he was a part of the issue that ended up leading to the, to the touchdown that won the game for Cleveland. Teron Johnson, it seems like, made some strides. 
uh, with that, especially with the big moment there in the playoffs too. So like, just kind of give me your whole thing about the secondary and if those other guys, uh, the the second tier of the of the five are good enough to to win a Super Bowl. Okay, so you you just you just burn me. You just bringing up wounds, bro. Like, <laughs> listen, uh, Levi Wallace got cooked by Jarvis Landry. I, I mean, he got cooked by everybody that game. I don't know what 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 the hell happened, but he got exposed. And that's kind of um, I think Levi Wallace is a he's a decent to serviceable cornerback. Uh, I, I think he's better in a rotational role. Uh, I don't think he's uh, starting quality. Now, the guy that the Bills really like is Dane Jackson. Okay. Uh, he's a second year guy um, coming out of pit. Uh, he's six foot. Um, he is I would say if you took Josh Norman and Levi Wallace and kind of they had a love child, it would be uh, <laughs> leave, it, it would be Dane Jackson, um, you know, because Josh Norman athletically can't get it done. Freaking Levi Wallace struggles big time. I think his brains is what puts he's always in position. I think if he had, you know, the athleticism, you know, of, of you know, some of these top corners, I think you he would be probably one of the better corners in the NFL. He's always in position. I just think that he's just not there athletically. Right. And Sean McDermott is one of the, the better uh, defensive back coaches in the league right now and he can he can ink out any you know talent uh you give him i mean he he's phenomenal at developing young cornerbacks and and i would attribute that to legend of frazier as well so i think look out for um dane jackson i think he can probably uh unseat uh levi wallace at the cornerback too and then taron johnson he he's um you know he's coming into a contract year uh, he's been the starting uh, nickel corner since he he was drafted by the Bills. Um, you know he he played well toward the middle toward the end of the season, but this is a guy that also lost his job uh, beginning to the middle of the season. He lost his jobs because he just wasn't playing well, and the defense as a whole wasn't playing well. Um, so I, I think Taron Johnson has has definitely um, come into his own, and a thing that that we learned that he even admitted to, you know during the season last year was was his commitment to watching film and when he committed himself to watching film you saw him start to make plays like the play he made uh in against baltimore you know picking off lamar jackson and taking it to the house i mean that's he did the same thing in, uh when the pittsburgh steelers came to town so he's starting to uh you know if he if he continues on his trend he's going to earn himself uh a good a good contract but it's not probably not going to be in buffalo i just don't see how the Bills are going to be able to afford him, but he's a solid slot corner. We talk about this in Cleveland. They're, they they decided to like, hey, we're going to draft really well all of a sudden, and they have all these guys are up for contract soon. You know, Baker, Nick, Wyatt, uh, among many others, Denzel Ward. They just signed Miles, so it's like now you start all of the discussions, especially this month and a half here, pertaining to who they sign, who they keep, what they do, and I'm sure it's a conversation point around Buffalo. Uh, about, you know, Josh's contract is set to be pretty big. I don't know which of these three 2018 guys are going to sign first, but the guy who signs first is probably going to be up by the other two in some capacity. I don't think Baker has a great argument compared to the other two. I think the other two should probably, based on where they sit currently at this moment, on uh, we're recording this on June 22nd, that I think that the other two can make a claim to get more money. Is the is the contract situation a constant discussion point in Buffalo? Do they expect it to get done before this season, during this season, or do you think both sides just wait until the end of the year? 
I think they're going to wait to the end of the year. If you were to ask me of the three quarterbacks that we're talking about, I think Lamar Jackson goes first. I think Baker's going to follow second. I think Josh is going to, you know, his contract will probably be bigger than the other two. That that's my prediction. Yeah, I think I think I certainly think it could. I I don't know how it'll all shake out. It's a matter of how teams can set up their their money. I I, I think all three teams love them. I think. I think the Browns definitely want to be able to look at the data with Baker and say, okay, we've got now four years, two years in this offensive system before we really commit to this thing long term. I think Buffalo and, and Baltimore are a little bit more concrete on what they want to do, where they're going. I think that that's, that's the part of it that I think remains the most interesting. I guess I'm looking at expectations because... Again, we're talking about this year with Cleveland. They might not be in a position like they are right now from a talent standpoint because they've they've had some, you know, with with all of these young guys, they've had cheaper contracts. They've been able to influx talent, expand themselves, kind of widen the belt a little bit to make some things happen. And we don't see many holes on the roster. Now, you know, you, you sign a quarterback for $38, $40 million a year, you're going to have holes on the roster. So is this Super Bowl or bust in, in a sense for Buffalo? You know, because... Three, four, five years down the road, you don't know if Stephon, where Stephon Diggs will be. Like, I'm just kind of curious what the attitude is. If it, is it like, well, we got to get to the next step before we win the Super Bowl? Is it like, nah, man, we're we're here to win the Super Bowl this year, no matter what? Yeah, this this was a point of contention in the offseason where, um, you know, some of us, like myself, I'm, I'm more of the, you know, let's spend big, let's let's get guys in here who proven talent and commodities, right? But the Bills are very much. Um, for the process, they, they they're very methodical about who they bring in, what they sign them to. Uh, Brandon Bean is a wizard when it comes to the to contracts. I mean, you'll see, you know, the Bills sign a lot of one year contracts and let people go. And, and that's how they're retaining their top talent, because they're being shrewd about how they spend their money and dollars in free agency. Um, so they, they've definitely taken the long approach where sometimes I wish they were a little bit more aggressive now getting Stefan Diggs. Okay, great. That was awesome. I love that pick. I mean, that, that whole transaction was phenomenal, but you know, part of me feels like they could have, uh, done a little more, uh, kind of a swing, swing for the fence. I mean, you have a, a guy that's a quarterback who's under a rookie contract and historically you don't see guys, um, after that rookie contract make you know, consecutive or, or multiple Super Bowl visits. You know, it's, it's tough to get there as it is. So once you sign these guys to these big contracts, like Russell Wilson, he ain't been back since, since, you know, his rookie deal. Um, you, you, it's it's just hard to construct a roster when, like you said, you got a guy that's going to be making, what, $38 million a year. It's going to be tough. So I don't know. They, they, get, they got their, their, uh, their work cut out ahead for them, for sure. It's just weird. The Browns and Bills are in the same – the same boat with some of these things some big names coming up to resign some talented people we'll see who they value who they don't value and, and the turnover that comes and we both think we have smart front offices which i would agree and and they, they will always be linked together because of the 2018 quarterback draft and i'm always excited to talk bill so sterling you really informed everybody here about the roster the talent where your expectations are we really appreciate all your time man no, I appreciate being on, and I have questions for you about about these Browns. I mean, anytime I think the the Bills and the Browns are good, the, the NFL as a whole is just better. So, man, I would love to uh, just continue to talk with you guys throughout the season to just check in and see how you guys are doing over there. Oh, anytime, man. You need me on your end, I would be more than happy to uh, to link up, and hopefully we get to officially link up come the postseason because that would be a blast. 
Dude, that would be sick. I, I'm def. I would definitely make a trip to Cleveland for that. <laughs> and likewise, man, we try to come over that way with these stadiums back to full capacity. We appreciate you again, bro. Hey, man, thank you for having me. Thanks again to Sterling for coming on, taking his time to talk Bills. Hopefully you guys learned something about where that franchise is. I think they're going to be a mainstay in the AFC for a long time and probably run into the Browns more often than we'd like them to. So just a good, good interview there, good insights. We'll do more teams, Titans, a lot of teams in the AFCs because I'm not sure which ones really come out of there. But, yeah, we'll talk about a lot of teams. Chiefs, obviously, we'll get to them. Uh, we've, we've done a whole AFC North uh, rundown. If you have not checked those out, please go back and check them out. We talked with uh, someone covering all three teams in the division. Um, I thought those were really insightful too. So we'll, we'll keep doing these as we lead up into July and try to learn as much as we can about these teams. Hopefully you do enjoy them. If you have any suggestions or feedback, please hit me up in the DMs. You know how that works. Uh, again, can't thank you enough for passing along the word. Another great month of listening, downloading, subscribing. All that stuff's been great. Make sure you are downloading and subscribing, all of that fun stuff. Spread the word. We appreciate you very much for doing that. Um, and, you know, leave us a review if you can. Always appreciate that, too. So we'll check back in tomorrow. We will have a film room, one of our Chalk Talk sessions, which will be up on YouTube if you're into the live viewing setup, which we abandoned a while back. Uh, I think we need to still get some more stuff up on YouTube. But we're going to do so tomorrow with our Chalk Talk session where we start looking at coverages with our defensive guru, John Stephenson. So check that out. And it'll be on the YouTube and again in the podcast version as well. So thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Until we talk next time, have a great Thursday and go Browns.